Hello, and welcome to this episode of Earnest Contend. I greet you in the name of Jesus, and I am so thankful that you are here with us today. Now today we have the distinct honor and high privilege to discuss Jesus and who he is and and a bit about what he's done. But to open, I'm, I'm going to start in John 14, uh, beginning at verse 6. The Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. But from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? So we know by the scriptures that God is a spirit in John 4 and 24, and that in John 1, 18, that no man has seen God at any time. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 1 and 17 that that God is the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. So God himself, God the Father, is without form and without shape. He is a spirit. The Father, he, he isn't simply sitting in the throne room of heaven as this old man with a long white beard looking over, making sure everything's working out. No, God is omnipresent. He fills all space and he fills all time. He is a spirit, invisible, without form, uh, without image. But we may be wondering, well, well, isn't Jesus God? Well, Jesus himself was a man. So, so how does that work? How, how can Jesus bo- be both, both God and man? So now I, I ask this very potent question of, is Jesus in the Godhead, or is the Godhead in Jesus? Well, what do I mean by that when I ask that question? So the, the, the classical definition of the Trinity uh, states that there are three co-equal, co-eternal, separate persons of God, that the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost are, are three individual persons who are who have always been co-equal and who have always been co-eternal. Um, they are in unity in the Godhead. So some questions then that we would need to think about and ask are, uh, what is the Father? And what is the Son? What is the Spirit? Now we know that God as a word, God itself is not a name, but just a word used for classification. The Old Testament is emphatic and it is plain when it states that there is there is only one singular personal God and that beside him there is none else. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 28:19 that that there is one name to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So to break down that that big question, I'm asking is Jesus in the Godhead along with the Father and the Spirit? as they plan through things in a united will and mind, being the Godhead? Or or is the Godhead the power and the fullness of God in the man, Christ, Jesus? So we begin this discussion of the most important person 
in history. The most amazing man to ever walk upon the earth. The Bible says that even the earth couldn't contain the books that could be written of him and his works and and all that he did. But to begin this discussion, it would be tempting to to jump into his life and to jump into uh, the things that he did and the things that he preached and and, or even jump into the end and jump to his death and what followed. But in order to, to really grasp the story of Jesus, we, we have to be, begin where he began. And John 1 and 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and that the Word was with God, and that the Word was God. And the Bible doesn't just leave the Word alone, but it says that The Word was with God and that the Word was God. So what's the difference between the Word and the Son? Isn't isn't the Word the Son? Well, there is a very important reason for this distinction. In John 1 and 14, uh, the Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But when we read that, we can't forget that that the Word is not just with God, but that the Word is God Himself. But even in this verse, we, we see that the Father and that the Son are separate. How? Well, because that the Word was made flesh. And it's only when the Word was made flesh do, it, do we see this connection to the Son, the only begotten of the Father. Now, never does the Bible speak of Jesus as God the Son. Never does the Bible speak of the Messiah as as God the Son. But it speaks of the Son in that it is the flesh of the man, Jesus Christ. Nowhere do we find an eternal Son, but, but we find that at a moment of time, Jesus was born. And the Bible says this in Galatians 4 and 4 that, that, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. At a certain moment in time when the son of God came into being, Jesus, he was completely God and he was completely man. And so we see that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word was made flesh. Here we see the the beginning of the Son. So the Son of God, it simply just means the flesh of God. Now, the flesh of God is not eternal. The man, Christ Jesus, he, he did not exist prior to the moment when, when the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed Mary and she was conceived. But even if you were to look at the frequency of the term God the Father in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll, you'll see that God is rarely called Father in the Old Testament. A few times generically as, as the Father of us all, as how he's created us. But in the New Testament, we see it's in direct correlation that God has become the Father to the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus, uh, that the Word made flesh, is the only begotten of the Father. Now, the Bible also talks about how, how we who are redeemed, we who have been born again, we are now the sons and daughters of God. We are adopted. We are his children through covenant, 
through faith. But we ourselves are not begotten of God. There was only one who was begotten of God, and that is the man, Christ Jesus, because he uh, was born because the Spirit of God overshadowed his mother, Mary. And wonderfully, in Hebrews, in the first chapter, verses 1 through 3, it, it says that God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory, and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now this focus point, and even uh, the, the focal point of the book of Hebrews, is, is this superiority of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ. And, and here we see the author making the point that Jesus the Son of God is, is greater than the prophets. God in times past had spoken through prophets, through Moses, through Elijah, through Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us directly through his Son. Now, Jesus, he was a prophet, but he was not just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He's not just a man, but more than a man. Because this Jesus, the Bible says it, in the context, this Jesus is the brightness of his glory, that being God, Jehovah, the, the Father's glory. And Jesus is the express image of his person, singular person, that, that being God, Jehovah, the Father's person. Jesus is the, the image of the Father. He is the uh, brightness of the Father's glory. But we can't forget that God is a spirit. He has no bodily form. So this is why Jesus can say that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In Colossians 1 and 15, speaking of Jesus says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So is, is Jesus the Son of God or is he God himself? And to that, uh, we can say a resounding yes. Because Jesus is both the Son of God and he is the one true God of the Old Testament. Well, how? Well, Jesus, he is completely man, and he is completely God. If he was not uh, completely man, he could not be our sacrifice. But if he was also not completely God, he would not have been perfect. He would not have uh, lived the sinless life to be our sacrifice. So in his, in his humanity, he is the Son of God. Yet in his deity, he is God, the creator of all things. And in his humanity, he hungered, he was thirsty, and he slept. But in his deity, he is the God who is inexhaustible and who is self-sufficient, who is in need of nothing. In his humanity, he was the Lamb of God slain, who died for the sins of the world, the Son of God. Yet in his deity, he he is the holy God to whom demanded the justice for the transgression of the sin. He was the creator of the world, the king of glory, the father. And Paul, he in essence, summarizes this in uh, 1 Timothy 2.5 where he says, For there is one God, 
and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Paul makes this distinction that it's speaking of the humanity of the Lord. Because between God and between men, there was this great chasm. And and there was no hope of restitution. And it took the death of Jesus. It took the sacrifice of the spotless lamb to be that mediatorial gap, to be that uh, bridge built in between. Because God was so holy, uh, he could not accept sin. And, and man was so sinful, uh, there was no redemption. So what did God do? He became our sacrifice. The man, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, he came and lived the perfect life for you and for me. He died for us that we may be reconciled unto God, that we may be born again, made a new creature to live unto him. So when we take this great majestic concept of who in essence Jesus is, it'd be easy to begin to wonder that it's kind of hard to grasp how the great and glorious God could come down and dwell as man among men. And this is a lot of, this is a, a, a common stumbling block for a lot of people. They, they think that God is, is too great um, to be able to come down and dwell among men. Or, or they think that, that when God comes down that he loses his deity. Or that when God comes down he, he has made his flesh divine. So that it's some sort of demigod, but but no, it's Jesus Himself. When He walked upon this earth, He 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 is uh, completely man, and He is completely God. But Paul echoes this mystery, and he says in First Timothy three sixteen, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What is this mystery of godliness? It is that God was manifest in the flesh, justified. In the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Paul, he was before converted a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He he loved the law and he was devoted to the God of his fathers. He knew no other God but one. He knew no other scriptures uh, save the ones of the Old Testament. So when he says here, God was manifest in the flesh, he's not thinking of any other being. He knows no other being other than the one true God presented in the Old Testament, the creator of both heaven and earth, the king eternal. He says this God was manifest in the flesh and he was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels and and preached unto the, the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. Who else could that be speaking of except Jesus? But Paul, he, he says that the mystery of godliness is that God was manifest in the flesh. How could it be? You know, and that's the eternal wonder that the great God of glory could come down in human form and live the perfect life for you and for me. And there's, there's a component. Yes, we can understand broadly, okay, completely man, completely God. But when we try to get the details together, it's, it's a great mystery. The Bible, in its entirety, from... Genesis unto Revelation mentions only one God, knows only one Creator, one Redeemer, one Savior. It is the one who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He came in flesh and called Peter, James, and John. It is this 
one God who loved us so much to come and live the perfect life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember that the, the son of God is speaking about the flesh, the humanity, the gift that he gave us through the sacrifice of himself. He gave us the opportunity to turn to him and to know him and to live for him and to live with him and to have restored relationship. He himself did it. He didn't send another, but he himself came. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word was made flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. He came. So going back to our earlier question, is Jesus in the Godhead or is the Godhead in Jesus? Well, Scripture answers this plainly. Colossians 2.9 For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Thank you for joining us today as we dove in just a little bit. We just scratched the surface on who Jesus is. We pray that you were blessed in this. We pray it edified you and encouraged you. We invite you to share, to like, and to follow, and to spread among your friends and anyone you, you feel may need this. We pray it all be a glory unto God and a blessing unto you. Until next time, in Jesus' name.